We have someone who has served the Lord for many years, who has blessed many of us in this house, who has preached the word and the word and the word and the word through and through. He's a man who loves Jesus. He's a man who has a heart for the lost, a heart for people, and a heart for all of us to become more like Christ. If you would join with me in welcoming Darren Milley, who is a valued, valued member in our church. All right. So we are going to get into the Word. Um, so if you have a Bible, get it out. If you take notes, get your pen, get your app out, do whatever you do. But we've been sitting for a few weeks in John 15. Uh, and Caleb has taken us on a journey so far that has been rich. And, and as I was thinking about where we've come from so far and where we're going to go today, and I know Alicia's going to hit it over the fence next week and mess with all of us in terms of being obedient, right? Um, but the, the image that popped into my head, and it's so very timely, is that what we're being invited into is like a birthing process. God is birthing something in us. And, and let me just say for all of those of us who have never given birth, it's hard on us dads too. Not even close, okay? But let me just say, anybody who's ever witnessed it or been present or done it, what, a, what an incredibly hard thing it is to give birth to something. And I got to say this, this is a little bit of in, into my world, but 23 years ago tonight, Sally began the birthing process. I'm going to get emotional. My firstborn baby boy. 23 years ago tonight, began the journey into the world. Matthew, show, Matthew showed up tomorrow at 9 pounds 6 ounces, which is why it took almost everything out of Sally. And if you haven't heard the story, ask Sally to tell you. But, but here's the segue, right? Here's the segue. What we're being invited into is a hard process. It's not passive. Okay, abiding is not a passive thing that you just sit back and maybe put your feet up and just relax and it's just going to happen to you. Abiding is something that you enter into and you press into, okay? And so what I'm inviting you into this afternoon, what Caleb has been saying for the two weeks prior, and I know what Alicia's going to bring to us next week, it's, it's an invitation to say, I'm in. Jesus, I'm here, I'm, I'm ready to go on this journey with you because, like Caleb just said, the, the prize of the journey is Jesus. What greater, right? Like, what could be better than entering into a process that the end result is intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That's what this journey is all about, okay? So what do you think of when you, when you think of, when you visualize the abiding process? Here's what I like to think of. I like to think about John, the disciple who wrote the words of John 15, and it talks about the fact that he was the disciple who used to recline upon Jesus' breast. Can you picture the boys are all hanging out, having a meal, and you know, there's Peter who's wanting to go and attack something probably, and there's Thomas going, why are we doing this again? And there's Judas who's stealing from the, from the, you know, the money bag, but there's John who is reclining on Jesus' breast. And that's what I want abiding to be. I want abiding to be just hanging with Jesus. And he's like, oh, Darren, you're doing it, man. 
You're doing it all right. I am just, I'm loving everything you do. I would, I would love him to say, I wouldn't change a thing. Don't, but you follow your heart because it's all, that's not what it is, though. Okay, that's not what a bias, sometimes, okay, I'll, I'll, let's give God that. Sometimes it's just good, right, where he just says, man, hang in there. I love what you are and who you are and what you're doing. And that's part of the journey. Part of it's harder than that, though. Okay, part of it is a lot harder than that. And so we're going to talk a little bit. They put the old guy up here today to talk about the hard stuff. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to prune the branch. And so that's where we're going to go today. And so I brought a little prop. And, and if any of you have ever heard me preach before, I talk about, you know, for 10 points and the chance of the bonus round, this is not a door prize today. So you don't win this. But I want, you to, I want you to see this because there's something you need to get about the story that Jesus is telling. And you need to understand the purpose of why he's telling the story. And this, this is a bit of a clue to it, okay? So here's the picture from John 15. Visualize with me, play in your mind. And, and again, I'm going to add a little bit to what the scripture doesn't say, dangerous. But I think it makes sense and I think you'll see it's relevant as we go through it. I'm seeing worried faces like, oh no. Head, get the kids, head for the car. No, hang in there, it's okay. So here's the picture, right? Jesus is hanging out with his closest followers. And they're sitting down and they're listening to him. And he, and he starts to teach them this story about, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if anyone abides in me, he will bear much fruit. And my father is the vine dresser. And, and, and we're going to read the whole thing in a second. But, but imagine as the disciples are sitting there listening to this story... Just down the hill is a vineyard, okay? And so, that, and Jesus does that all the time, right? He tells stories that, that appeal and, and just speak to where people were. They could see it. They could see the sowing in the fields. They could see the fishing on the, on the waters. They could see the struggles, And right? So as he's telling the story, I'm sure there was a vineyard down the hill. So as he's telling the story, the disciples are looking over and they're like, oh, yeah. They can see the rows of vines growing. They can see on the vines there are these branches that are coming off the vines and they're full of these beautiful rich green leaves. And on the end of every one of those branches is this cluster of grapes. Big and beautiful grapes. Probably a fine Chianti. I'm just kidding. But, but you know, because they weren't grown there. But, but here's the grapes and they're growing. And, they, and then behind the grapevines... Maybe there's a little barn, and in the barn there's a wine press, right? And there's, there's all of the, the leftover residue after the wine has been pressed out. And, and then maybe behind that there are all of the casks full row upon row of what? Of wine, right? And so Jesus tells the story, but please catch it. This is the point. The point of the vine and the branch and the grapes and the cutting and the pruning and all the stuff. The point is the fruit. And that's where Jesus is going with this. Okay, so keep that in mind. The disciples probably, and this is all just prelude, so I hope you brought your lunch tonight. But the, the, the disciples are probably also thinking, wait a minute. What was that thing Jesus did in John chapter 2? They didn't have John chapter 2 then. But what is that thing? Remember Cana? Remember the wedding? Remember when they ran out of wine? Remember when the, the servants went and pulled the tops off the casks of those ceremonial jars and they dipped 
in and what came out? This beautiful wine. Why is that relevant? It's the first sign miracle that Jesus ever did. It's so important to understand what he's saying in this text. And in a little while, it hasn't happened yet. The disciples didn't know it, but we know it because we've read the scriptures. In a little while, they're going to hear Jesus talk about wine again. And he's going to say that the very blood from my veins is going to drip out. And it's going to represent the wine of a new covenant. A covenant between you and my Father that will never ever be broken. And your sin will be dealt with and you will be set free. And you will come into community. And there, in the context of all this, Jesus teaches in John 15. So hear this. I think it's going to be on the screen there. He says this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray for a minute together. God, I just pray that as we open your word this afternoon, as we have worshiped with our hearts wide open to you, I pray that you would deposit within each one of us the word that each of us needs. And that we would leave this place committed to the process that you are working in our hearts. We just open ourselves to you. No other spirit, no other thing do we open ourselves to, but just to you, Holy Spirit, in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, a couple of key things I want to unpack from the story real quick. Firstly, the vine is meant to bear much fruit. Please catch that, okay? Jesus is the vine, and the point of the vine is the process of bearing fruit, okay? Jesus came as the vine so that branches would grow, so that on the branches the grapes would grow, so the grape could be pressed and turned into the fruit, the, the vine, the wine, right? He came for that purpose. We, from the story, know that we are the branches and the fruit grows on the branches. Not rocket science so far, I know, but... But hear this, the grapes are the point of the vine and the branch. They're not meant to be decorations, okay? Jesus isn't talking about, let's grow some beautiful grapes so we can put them on our table and look at them. No, he's telling us he wants to do something that we would actually consume, or actually we would be consumed in a way as we bear fruit for him. But the point of the grape is the consumption, of the fruit, right? So some grapes are made for eating, like jams and jellies, right? Some grapes are designed for that. Other grapes are designed for juice. That's fun too. Some grapes are meant for wine, right? But the point of the grape is not decorative. It's not to have and to hold and to carry around with you. The point of the fruit production of a vine is the grape is the wine. I know that's not rocket science, but the whole point of the story is Jesus wants this to happen in us and through us and to us. It's the point of the whole process. The vine that produces the branch, that produces 
the grapes that produces the thing that we consume. That's the first point. Number two, and here's where we're going to park for a little while this afternoon. God the Father is the vine dresser. Okay? What is a vine dresser? It's not something that we use in our language too much. You probably didn't use that word as you... Do, oh, look, there's a vine dresser. Wave to the vine dresser, right? You probably haven't seen one today. Okay, but what does a vine dresser do? Well, they're the ones who manage and care for. They nurse the vine and the branches. And so, too, they help them bring out the fruit. That's what the vine dresser does. It's kind of a gardener, but a whole lot more. Okay, they have a skill in terms of being able to draw from this vine the most fruit that it can produce, the right kind of fruit that it can produce. So what do we know about the vine dresser? Because it's pretty important, and as we see as we go along, you're going to see there's a bit of a hardness to this process. What do we know about the vine dresser? Well, God the Father is the vine dresser, and, and we know that he is, hear this, he is good, and he is kind. And he is careful. Okay? He knows how to cut, how to leave the branch healthier than when he started. Okay? He doesn't hack at the branch. He's not some sort of a butcher that's going out and just whacking away at all of these branches. He's a surgeon. Let me just say that, that there's a really qualified heart surgeon in the room today. And if I was lying on the table, I would want Dr. Small to be my heart surgeon. Why? Because he's really good at what he does. I don't want a butcher cutting in. <laughs> right? God the Father as the vine dresser, the one that at the end of the service I'm going to invite you to surrender yourself to, God the Father is a really good vine dresser. He knows how to do it in a way that leaves the branch better off than it was when he started. Okay, but, hear this, abiding in the hands of the vine dresser requires that we trust him. Okay, you can, you can say amen when I say God is good and he's kind and he's talented and he's skillful and he, and he does a really good job at pruning that branch, but you have to decide if you're going to put your trust in him. It's, it's a point of faith. Okay, the process that Jesus is describing, please hear this, it demands trust and surrender. Okay? And let me just say this as a bit of a sidestep. That's really hard for some of us. Some of us in this room right now, or maybe someone hearing this message, some of us have been hurt by people that we were supposed to trust. Some people that we were supposed to be able to relax in their loving arms hurt us. And so the concept of a God who would cut the branch to make it better, that's a scary thought. Can I say to you this afternoon, God the Father knows you. He knows your heart. He knows if it's a hard, scary thing. Some of us are like, cut away, I'm here. <laughs> right? But for some of us, it's really hard. And it's, and it's okay to look up at the Father and say, Father, I'm scared. I got to tell you, if Gary was cutting into my heart tomorrow, not going to happen. But if he was, I'd be like, I'm a little nervous here. And he probably, as a great doctor, would say, it's okay. Just like God would see your heart and say, I know you're scared. I know you're a bit afraid. But let me walk you through this. Okay? Let me take you gently 
to the place where you need to go. Because I am good, God would say. And I am gentle. And I will show you that you can trust me. Okay, just give me a chance to prove that to you. And he will. Okay, but it requires risk. He knows your heart, is what I'm trying to say. And, and, and you can trust him with it. Number three, though, in terms of, of the process, God the Father knows the point of the vine and the branch. So when God looks at the vine, Jesus, his son, and he looks at you and I, the branches, he doesn't forget the point of them, which is to bear fruit, to bear much fruit, right? To, to hear this, to bring forth the right amount of fruit and the right kind of fruit. When he looks at the branch, he knows exactly you and me, what we were designed to produce. He's not trying to make you like you and you like you. He's looking at you going, I've designed this branch with intentionality. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you hope and a future. I know the kind of fruit I want to draw out of you. And, and I love that. When he looks at me, he's not comparing me to somebody else. He's comparing me to me. And when he does the pruning on my heart, he's not pruning me to be like anybody else. He's pruning me to be me in the vine and you in the vine. Concord grapes make great jams and juices. Not so good wine. Okay. Chianti makes wonderful wine. I don't have an issue, so relax. There's, I'm fine. Ah, Sally, I'm fine. But you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a certain grape designed to do a certain thing and some things do some things better than others. And if you try and use this grape to make that, it's just not going to fly. So too with you. God looks at you and he knows what he designed you to do and to be. And I won't get into this secondary sermon, but if we had time, I'm looking to Caleb for the nod here, but... But read the passages, read Romans 12 and read Ephesians 4 and read 1 Peter 4 and read 1 Corinthians 12. And you'll see that the body is made up of all kinds of parts. And unless all the parts do their thing, the body doesn't thrive. So he's looking at you this afternoon. You know who you are. He's looking at you and saying, I want to prune you to bring out your fruit so that the body would thrive. Because without your fruit, it's not going to thrive. I hope that makes sense. California grapes make great raisins, and I was going to do the song. If you're old enough to remember the commercials for the California raisins, I'm not going to do Heard it through the grapevine. Let that get in your head right now. Okay? But you as a branch are designed to produce a certain kind of fruit, and he knows the plans he has for you. Okay? And then one more thing about the vine dresser. God the Father knows how to prune a branch for the sake of the best fruit. Okay? Any gardener knows that you got to cut away the dead stuff. Right? Any gardener knows you got to get rid of the stuff that is no longer alive. But God also knows the good stuff that needs to go to him. Do you get that? God looks at... at your life, and this, this passage, and Caleb mentioned it before, but it's not primarily talking about sin issues. He looks at your life and he goes, you know, that's good. That's a good thing. But it's actually sucking the fruit energy out of you. Because I made you to do this over here. And you're spending all your time doing that over there. And as you do that, the life is getting rerouted. 
And God says, I want, I want to flow out of you the thing that's going to be the good, best fruit. And so he's, he's a gardener that, that cuts away the bad stuff, of course, but he also cuts away some of the good stuff so that the grapes thrive even more next season. Let me just share with you a quote. I know nothing about, I'm not a vineyard owner yet, but the Millie Ranch will have grapes on it at some point. So pray about that. But a quote I came across of somebody who does know what it's all about said this, to the untrained eye, vine dressing, or the act of pruning, looks like someone stripping a full vine back to a bare stub incapable of coming back. There are slightly prickly, but otherwise bare cordons branching out from the knobby trunk of each vine. It is these remaining cordons and trunks that are the true vine, where all the ultimate life and vibrancy of the plants awaits the onset of spring. The canes that now lay at the vine dresser's feet bore fruit in the year before, not because they were full of life, but because they were connected to the source of life found in the vine. Some are removed entirely, others are left as small spurs containing two buds that will form the canes for next season. It looks like drastic carnage, but in reality, it's an artful exercise in balance and foresight. The vine dresser cuts into the good for the sake of the better fruit. Okay? One more little quote. I won't read the whole thing. But it just says this. One thing to keep in mind is that it's not just the dead branches that are removed by the vine dresser. There will be vines that are already producing but hear this, but by removing them, it will allow even more fruit to be produced by the remaining vines. There is only so much of you to go around. You only have so much time and energy. Picking the right area to concentrate on to prune is key. This principle is about focus. There may be areas of your life that are productive that you enjoy, but may actually be getting in the way of increased production. Again, back to what I said a minute ago, God knows how to prune, right? And the point is that he would cause us to bear much fruit and the right kind of fruit, okay? I love this too. The father, as the vine dresser, knows also when to prune so not to overstress the branch, okay? Remember, his goal is to produce very much perfect fruit through the vine appearing on the branch for the purpose of consuming Taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says, right? The kingdom of God is good, and it's the fruit that is supposed to be produced. And we're going to get into that just for a second in a minute here. But, but, but hear the point. God is able to do this beautifully, lovingly, kindly, and strategically so that you would bear much fruit. But it is not an easy process sometimes. So let me ask you just to... Engage your brains if you're nodding off back there. Can you see the vineyard? Can you visualize it? Can you see the vine? Can you see the branches? Can you see the loving, careful, and methodical vine dresser? Can you see your life, all of it, in his loving hands? Can you visualize that? One last point about pruning What's the vine doing while the vine dresser is pruning? And this, this came like prayerfully. I was driving the truck yesterday and I, and I texted Sally, write this down because the Holy Spirit just sort of, I never thought of this before. 
What is the vine doing while the vine dresser's pruning? Well, Jesus is waiting to surge his life through you, enveloping the cut and continuing to grow. Can you see that? So as the father trims off something, Jesus is like, he's like waiting to go. Okay, okay. And the father cuts and the life flows in and envelops the branch and then continues to grow. So the whole time the father is methodically pruning, the son is just waiting to flow life to that affected branch, right? Longing to pour life and his love and his presence to go around that wound and to begin the healing process and then to continue the flow of life through you. He's, he, it's just like a rush of life to that cut, right? Some of you are remembering the throbbing that happens when you've cut yourself, right? Like, it's just life waiting to course through that place. <coughs> okay, a couple more things. Three things, actually, real quick. Um, I want to give you one quick example. I want to give you one caution, and I want to give you an invitation. So here's the example. Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, we hear the heart of a branch that has had its, its pruning. <laughs> David was a man well acquainted with victory and defeat. With highs and lows, he was declared to be a man after God's own heart. But hear this, he was also a man who was very familiar with what it means to be pruned by the Lord. And listen to his words in Psalm 139. I'm just going to read them quick. I won't comment. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous ways in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Can you see the picture? David stands before the Lord, it, people who are into the contemplative world would call it sort of the prayer of examine. Stands before the Lord and says, Lord, search me. If there's anything that needs to be cut away, I surrender to you. But, but hear this. He does it from a perspective, not, not this. I'm an awful, lowly, horrible branch cut away. No, he does it from a position of saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, God. You designed me to be me, and I surrender to your pruning. Right? He looks at you, and he's not looking at you going, bit of a letdown, a little disappointed. Not no, he looks at you and says, I've made you to bear abundant fruit. And we can come to him in that posture. We can say, God, here I am, the way that you've designed me, and I surrender to the pruning. I'm not going to fight you. I love David. God, I'm not here to fight you on this. Right? And as God is cutting away the branches, David isn't picking up all the branches and trying to glue them back on. He says, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to the process. Okay? The caution. Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know what the problem of a living sacrifice? They keep crawling off the uh, altar, right? And so Romans 12 is saying to us, if you would do this, it's, a, it's an intentional, deliberate surrender. It's God, I'm lying here on the altar. I trust who you are. I trust the purpose of this. And I want to bear fruit for you. And I'll resist the urge to try and run away from you. I'll resist the urge when, the, when I see the shears come out. That's right. It's like our dog when the nail trimmers come out, right? I'll resist the urge to run, Lord, when it's time for the trimming. Okay. We haven't talked a lot about the fruit, but just really quick. John 2, the first miracle Jesus does in public view, he turns water into wine. Listen to this. The, the large barrels, when they pulled the tops off, weren't full of luscious grapes. Pretty grapes. They were full of grapes that had been turned into the point, the consumable wine, right? The last symbol I mentioned already that Jesus does teaching his disciples is that he would shed his blood at the Lord's Supper, again turning to wine, this new covenant between God and man, breaking his body and shedding his blood, again the wine. But please hear this, the kingdom of God is symbolized in wine. Okay, all through the Old Testament, the concept of wine was the idea of joy and, and abundance and the provision of God and abuse and debauchery, but that's the other side, right? But the point of the wine is it symbolizes life in God. The point of our lives is that we would bear fruit that, that witnesses to what? The, that the kingdom of God is with man and look at the life that it, that it looks like. Does that make sense? I hope it does. We bear fruit. We worship God by yielding to him and abiding with him in this place of pruning. Okay, just the invitation remains. So two groups in the room, I think, probably. First, the followers of Christ in the room. Let me ask you straight up. Are you willing to surrender to the vine dresser? Like, are you willing to worship God by letting him cause your life to bear fruit that points to the kingdom of God in Christ? Are you willing to do that? Is there an area, don't yell it out because then I would have to, is there an area where you are holding on to the branch he's trying to cut away? Can you visualize it? Like he's like clipping and you're pulling. And Is there an area where you're, you're really struggling with surrendering? I see a pruned branches lying all around the ground of people and people running around trying to reattach them can you surrender to his loving pruning and just let those things go can you do that today let me say this i don't know where he wants to cut sin that's easy that's that's not hard i don't know what the good stuff is he may want to take away in your life so that you would bear much fruit i don't know what it is I don't know what he wants to cut away so he can make awesome wine with you. I, I don't have a clue. But I know that he would prune away from our lives things that are redirecting the life of the vine from where he would have it to go. And, and hear this, please, don't run out of this room and say, I'm getting rid of this, 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 and this. 
That's not the way the process is supposed to work. Okay, I'm giving up exercise and vegetables. They are so getting in the way of me bearing fruit. I'm not going to work tomorrow because that's getting in the way. <clears throat> okay, not going to call mom anymore. Don't do that, right? But but please hear me. The way that the process goes, it's God. I surrender. Show me. Okay, and then when you think, please hear this. When you think He's shown you, share it with somebody else who is wise. Okay, go to someone, someone you trust. Say, look, I think I'm hearing God say. This is what he wants to cut. Does that sound right? Pray it through. Okay. The Lord is never in a rush. And he's not quick with the shears. So if you think you hear him saying something, then, then take it to some others and have them pray. But, but are you willing? And I guess that's what I would ask as we leave here this afternoon is the prayer of examine. Would you get on your face before God daily? Just a side note, it's not a one-and-done thing either. Isn't that harsh? It's like a daily thing. Maybe even more. Right? It's coming before him and saying, God, I want to live in a posture of surrender. Constant pruning. Whatever needs to go. But, but hear this. Back from about 12 pages ago, he knows the seasons to prune. Like He's not standing over your life just like this going, ha-ha, let's have at it. Edward Scissorhands God. That's not who he is. Okay, he knows the times to cut away. And he knows the times to let the fruit abound. Okay, so, so that's for half of you in the room or more than half of you. To those of you who have not yet been grafted into the body of Christ, God as the vine dresser has this amazing trick. He can take a dead branch and he can graft it into a living vine. I don't know how he does that. <laughs> but he can. He can take a branch that's lying on the ground, dead as a mackerel. And he can pick it up. And he can prepare it. And he can cut into the vine. And he can wrap it in. And we call that being born again. And he does that. He did it for me. He's done it for a lot of you. He wants to graft your life into the vine, which is Christ. Your disconnected life into life that is fully alive. So let me ask you the question. Do you want to be grafted into the vine? If you've never been grafted in, do you want to be a part of this life that is abundant, that is like a fine wine? In the eyes of the Lord. Okay, how do we do that? I'm going to ask you if you, the keys can come on up. Um, if you can all bow with me for just a minute. How do we do that? How does that grafting in process take place? Well, first we acknowledge our need of him. The Bible says that we need to confess our sin. We confess our need of life where we only have death. We come before God and say, I'm like that dead branch. Maybe I, maybe I do some good things and I try hard, but nothing seems to really pump that life connection with you, God. And so we acknowledge that. We acknowledge our sinfulness. We declare it before the Lord. And then 
the good news. We accept God's love. Christ, his son, died on a cross so that we could be saved, so that we could be born again. And so in a second, I'm going to ask any of you in the room who have not ever been grafted into the branch, into the vine, I'm going to ask you to just follow along in a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray at the same time so no one feels centered out. But if you sincerely would pray this prayer, then God the Father, he hears your heart and the Holy Spirit will move and he will do all the work. You just have to yield to it. So let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.